Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And it's Apple Week. I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you knew, but there was some if, Apple stuff this week. I think if you're listening to this podcast, you know about it. If you, if you somehow soon. didn't know, yeah, surprise, there was uh, one of, there, there may be more, but uh, one of the final events of the year for Apple, their September event, which is where we get a couple things we know are, are coming, and mm-hmm. then we actually did have a couple surprises, and we'll talk about that stuff briefly. But we also have a couple quick news hits at the top that are unrelated to their event that you wanted to dive into. Yeah, they're both related to Apple, though. So I thought we'll just go really quick since this is a whole Apple episode. Um, Apple versus Epic, we kind of got the ruling after the whole lawsuit. We've talked about it before. Epic suing Apple because they made them take out a button that was letting people pay on a third-party site. And Apple, obviously, with their iOS store and their 30% cut, doesn't want that to happen. Um, So it kind of is like a win, lose, lose more, even though that's three parties and there's only two parties associated in this. Yeah, it seemed like everybody was not happy. Yeah, kind of, kind of, sort of. So pretty much um, the judge ruled that they're not being anti-competitive. They claim success is not illegal, and both Apple and third-party developers like Epic have symbiotically benefited from the ever-increasing innovation and growth from the iOS ecosystem. Fair. Feels pretty fair. Um, Now, they did also, though, and this is what kind of is a lose aspect for Apple, is that they, uh, they ruled there for a permanent nationwide injunction blocking Apple not only from keeping iPhone users in the dark about alternate ways to pay, but potentially allowing developers to stick their own purchase mechanisms into apps. Yeah. So that's a win for developers. I mean, Yeah, so, so initially that one rule that uh, Epic was pretty mad about was that in-app purchases had to go through Apple's payment method, which yeah. automatically took a 30% cut. Mm-hmm. And the argument was, why should there be an only Apple in-app purchase method? There should be other options. Yeah. We should be able to have our own in-app purchase methods. We should be able to offer alternates, maybe some of them are cheaper because they don't have to go through a 30% cut from Apple. And this ruling is that Apple will now need to allow other purchase methods for in-app purchases. Yeah, and there's a little bit of, they're not quite sure how this is gonna work, what constitutes a button inside it and stuff, so that'll be a little um, weird. But so the reason Epic doesn't really win on this is because the way they started this whole suit was by adding that, and the judge also ruled 
that it was a breach of the contract and Apple is allowed to continue to not basically let Fortnite back into the store, not give them back their developer account. So while you are there blocking that and you will potentially be able to put a button in for this kind of skirting the rules, Epic can't because they're not allowed yeah. back in the Apple store. Epic knew what they were doing when they broke the rules. Though. Yeah. Okay. So developers win. Apple kind of loses. Epic really loses because they're not back on the iOS store. And they also had to pay some sort of a fine because of the money that they made in that process of breaching the contract. Hmm. So that's a super, super TLDR version of it. I'll have links in the description so you can read the full thing. It's super interesting. Um, but yeah, it's been going on for a long time. And yeah, it also seems like it's far from over. Anytime there's oh, a big suit for like sure, this, it's just sure. like, all right, another yeah, yeah. year of like back and forth between like resuing each other. So that is yeah. uh, still developing, but that's at least some development. Mm -hmm, exactly. Cool. Um, and then the other thing is somehow kind of relevant to the event, um, but apparently this has been going on for a long time. I hadn't heard of it until the event happened, but it looks like we have another case of Apple Sherlocking an app. Mm. Um, do you want to explain what Sherlocking is real quick? Well, yeah. So I made a video about the relationship between Apple and those who develop products specifically attached to Apple yeah. products. Um, sort of described as like a shark and uh, the remora relationship yeah, where yeah, if yeah. you're a remora shark, you, you, you do something the shark doesn't want to do or doesn't necessarily feel like they have to do, but that is your only purpose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if suddenly the shark decides they don't need you anymore, you're out of there. Uh, so Apple will sometimes decide to pivot and do something that one of those developers was doing on their own, in which case your app has been essentially Sherlocked stolen. Yeah, and because and, and, uh, Sherlock was an app that did that. It helped you yes. look through your files, right? And now yeah. Finder. So. Yeah, that's the, the infamous example is the Sherlock app that is no longer useful because Apple made it themselves and called it Spotlight. Okay, yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah. Um, and so... What we're seeing now is this actually happened back in January, but there's an app called FlickType, which I've never used. Um, but what it looks like is some we're all pretty familiar with Swipe, oh, like a um, it's uh, the it's the keyboard, keyboard app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this okay. was a keyboard that was made, but made mostly because one of the options was it had an Apple Watch way mm -hmm. of being able to type and respond quicker. Um, in January, it got kicked off of the App Store. Um, quoting, the app is a keyboard for the Apple Watch. For this reason, your app will be removed from the sale of the App Store at this time. Uh, so that was a while ago. In that, pro Since then, the developer of FlickType has sued Apple. Um, but what we saw was at the event, when uh, showing off the Apple Watch Series 7, there was something extremely, extremely similar to it, which was that oh, yeah. new kind of like swiping feature for a keyboard for Apple Watch Series 7. Yeah, skipping ahead a little bit, but I watched, when we were watching that, I saw, you know, the Apple Watch has, Series 7 has a much bigger screen. Yeah. And so they, I've been used to typing like one letter at a time or drawing out letters on the Apple Watch to respond to messages, and they showed this full QWERTY keyboard on the watch. I was like, okay, who would ever want to do mm -hmm. like full QWERTY typing on that tiny watch screen? But I guess, you know, maybe swipe typing would be yeah. easier. From what I've looked like, flick type looks like kind of a mix between swipe and it almost reminds me of T9 where it starts kind of like guessing the words you're using based on letters you're picking. And and yeah. through the examples I saw, because I've never used it, it looks pretty functional. Like it looks like a good way to type on, you know, a not ideal situation on your watch. But yeah. after that, the creator of uh, FlickType tweeted like, 
Well, guess we know why we got kicked off the store now. Yeah, because that's weird. Why would you? So they got kicked off the App Store just because they were a keyboard on the Apple Watch? Was that a, not allowed or something? The, the, I don't know the exact, and I'm sure there's some nuance to this. I'm sure Apple will have a reason as to why they kicked them off, not just because like, hey, we're doing this as well. Um, I mean, and, it's it's very possible their rule was like you're not allowed to make a keyboard for the Apple Watch. It's possible that was one of the rules. And it could just, be. I just I don't know exactly what it is, and I don't, yeah. Um, huh. But the the email that the guy tweeted that like what I said was from it. it was this is an app for the a keyboard for the Apple Watch and for this reason your app will be removed from the sale of the App Store at this time. Okay. Um, that happened in January. Now we obviously see what's going on. Um, I'm sure there's more nuance to it, but yeah, another Sherlock, I guess. And um, the thing is, is even if they didn't take it off the App Store, just developing this and putting it out there would essentially completely kill that app. Why yeah. would anyone download something that is now just a default on it? So Yeah, it would have to be better in some way. Like there yeah. are other third-party keyboards for the iPhone, but the iPhone has a pretty good keyboard. Mm -hmm. But yeah, anyway, that's a perfect segue into talking about the event that we had mm -hmm. on Tuesday. So Apple had their September California streaming event. It's, uh, it's yet another digital event. So they're not back to in-person events yet. We all knew the iPhone was coming, but there was some other stuff coming. Mm -hmm. And it turned out California streaming was this sort of symbolism for them using a bunch of different locations. Yeah. So they had a, a lot of drone shots in this episode, oh, yeah. transitioning to like Santa Monica and to the Redwood Forest and to all these other places. I think uh, Joshua Tree was Tim where Cook the intro was at happened. Joshua. I was actually, when he tweeted that picture, you were like, I don't think this is going to be at the Steve the, Jobs the, Theater. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, Oh, California streaming with a picture of a mountain and a lake. I was like, this is going to be all over California. I was pretty excited that I guessed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely. Ten minutes before. Yeah. A lot of drone shots. A lot of drone shots. Fantastic drone shots. And good ones. Yeah. Yeah. So the production quality was top notch as always. Uh, I think they had a moment where they accomplished exactly what one of the OnePlus events. I think failed so hard at. Oh, the like which transition was, between. Yes. Us. Yeah. It yeah. was like a perfect transition. This lady was talking in one environment about one thing. With all of these new features, this is by far the most powerful and versatile iPad mini ever. Then went across a wall and which created a wipe transition to a new environment yep. where she continued to talk about a new different thing. And with both the new iPad and iPad mini, we continue our commitment to the environment. And I just, I had flashbacks to that OnePlus transition where they were talking about one thing crossed yeah. over the wall and we're in the same environment it was just like the outside thing. the door and then they went back in the door after yeah yeah this like this worked because just like in general the shot and the framing and everything was like perfect and then also just the context of what was happening like it she was talking about something else it moved to a different area it, yep. it just fit with the presentation it yeah it nailed what yeah oneplus was trying to do that one time so i enjoyed that i was also looking for a meme moment i don't think we got one i don't think we got a meme moment think a this big time. one this one felt way more like produced almost parts of it almost reminded me of the pixel 5 event where like aspects of it almost felt commercially does that make sense like a lot of like upbeat music multiple cuts feels very much like a commercial or almost like a music video and i think that was their just kind of like between segment vibe that they were going for. Yeah, because they had such big transitions to pull off. Like you're not going from yeah. upstairs in the lab to downstairs in the mm -hmm. silicon lab. You're going from one desert to a forest to a mountain <laughs> yeah. to a beach. So they got to really spruce it up. So yeah, it did feel kind of a, you know, California casual. 
But <laughs> there were a bunch of things announced. Some of them we were expecting. Some of them we weren't. I say we start with the iPads. Yeah, let's just that's go like, in order. For yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, that's the the order of the event was iPad first. So we got a new budget iPad, the infamous $329 iPad. It is once again in the same body as before, and it didn't really get all that much improvements, but it is a spec bump this time. So it's got the A13 Bionic chip, which is 20% faster across the board versus the last gen, and it's got a new selfie camera. I believe it's now the 12 megapixel ultra wide that has center stage. Yeah, I think that's the biggest feature added to it. That's pretty much it. It's still got the home button, still got the thicker bezels, still got the small back camera with no bump, still got a lightning port. It's still that old hardware and that old-ish screen, but it's 329. And so that spec bump is nice for that price, but it's not really much different from the old one. I think like though in the times that we're in with way more video calling, adding a better front-facing camera and center stage is actually pretty amazing for something that affordable. Like, just being able to get this in the hands of more people and $300 for schools, we're just seeing people need that more and more. Um, Hopefully not for much longer, but it it is nice to see that. I think that's just, like, a cool little announcement for maybe not the tech heads here, but I think they'll actually benefit a ton of people. Yeah, I'm going to add this to the... I'm going to have a theme for this episode of things they should have added a year ago. Yeah, I think this would have been great for different reasons, but I think this would have been great about a year ago for obviously the pandemic and obviously the beginning of all the video calls everyone yeah, had to yeah. start doing. For sure. Uh, so that's the the new budget iPad. iPad mini, honestly, star of the show. Yeah, this was like the one no one Nobody really was really expecting it. Yeah, so we all had our, you know, our iPhone hats on going into the event, but the iPad mini got the biggest redesign year over year because it's been a couple years since they re- refined the iPad mini. Mm-hmm. So, okay. It's basically a small iPad Air. Yeah. From what I can tell, all the improvements across paper and across specs, minus a couple things, are iPad Air shrunken down. So it's got this new design that I really like. It's the flat edges, smaller bezels. It's funny. It's an 8.3-inch screen on the iPad Mini, and it's got this bezel size that's still a little bit thick, but I feel like it's a little bit thick because you still need a place to put your your fingers when you're holding Mm -hmm. it. And so even if it's the same size bezel as the iPad Air, when you shrink it down to a small screen, it looks kind of like a big bezel. Honestly, the fact that it's all even, it just makes it look nice. All the way around, yeah. So it's got a larger 12 megapixel camera on the back. It's the first iPad mini with a camera bump. So there's actually a little little bump just like the iPad Air Mm -hmm. on the back. It's not too dramatic, but it is there and it's new. I think about that, yeah. Um, It's the A, what is it, 15 inside, A15 Bionic. So it's 40% faster. Uh, CPU, 80% faster GPU. Again, it's been a while since they refreshed iPad mini, so this Mm -hmm. is much better performance. Uh, It also gets USB Type-C, like the iPad Air, and it gets a Touch ID fingerprint reader, like the iPad Air. Mm -hmm. The one weird quirk I noticed is the volume buttons are also at the top alongside the Touch ID power button. Did you notice that? I didn't, but just you saying it, it makes more sense because it's smaller and you're not reaching up there on this giant iPad instead. You're saying like the top, like the top top, right? Not on the sides? Yeah, like if you hold the iPad like a piece of paper, Mm -hmm. like a rectangle, the Touch ID button's on the top right. Yeah. The button, volume buttons are also on the top, on the top left. Okay. I expected them to be alongside like the iPad Air on the right side. Yeah, that still would probably make the most sense, but... yeah. So I'm, I'm curious why they did that. Maybe it's because you'll mostly have it in landscape mode. Yeah, and maybe. if they knew that, they should have moved the location of the selfie camera. But that's another story. 
Um, but it does get the oh, 12 yeah. megapixel ultra wide selfie camera with center stage. Mm -hmm. It also gets 5G and it supports the second gen Apple Pencil, magnetizes to the side just like the okay. iPad Air. So it's a $499 mini iPad Air. What do you think of the price? I think that's about right, $499. Now in the tablet world, at that price, you do see a lot of other like seven inch tablets popping mm -hmm. up. And it's funny, like every time you talk about tablet prices and being competitive, I can't help but compare it to other iPads because like there's not oh, that yeah. many other competitive tablets. There's there's some stuff at the very high end. There's some Samsung and Huawei tablets out there. But like for $499, would I rather have any other tablet than this one? Mm. Not really. Yeah. So iPad mini is pretty sweet. Here's my favorite thing about this, which comes from the USB-C is the way they described it by saying like, this gets USB-C, which is X amount better, X amount faster, blah, 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 than its predecessor, which we all know is Lightning, mm -hmm. which is just hilarious to me because you're saying all these reasons as to why it's better, but we still see Lightning in the iPhone. Yeah, the mental gymnastics required to defend USB-C in the iPad, uh, but then defend Lightning in the iPhone are very impressive. It's just very funny. It's it, a lot. It's hilarious to me. Yeah. Um, and it's not even like a pro thing anymore. All the iPads, except for the baseline budget yeah. iPad, have USB-C. Mm -hmm. So every time they explain USB-C, they're like, oh, it's a better port. It's got more bandwidth. Uh, it is not Thunderbolt as the iPad Pro, Okay. but it is just USB-C, yeah, yeah. which is the same as the rest of the iPads. So I love it. I, I, I had this thought. I was just tweeting about how it could be like a like an in-the-wall smart home mm -hmm. screen. Like, imagine having an iPad mini, just cutting a hole in the wall, put it th put that iPad mini in there, and that's probably the best smart home. Assuming you have HomeKit. Assuming all your accessories <laughs> yeah. are HomeKit. And assuming HomeKit works for all your As accessories. Yeah, assuming yeah. it all works, but that would be like a pretty sweet remote for turning your lights on, turning on whatever else, your cameras, whatever stuff you've got going on in your smart home. Yeah, it's cool. I I kind of agree without even the putting it in the wall. I feel like the mini aspect of it is nice because it can just kind of float around your house for different things. Like, yeah. hey, we have a party going on in the backyard now. I want to turn my string lights on. I want to control the music. Oh, it's nighttime. Let's all move it inside to the dining room. Now bring that into the dining room with you. Yeah. So like doing it like that, you could put any iPad in the wall and I guess it would just look tackier the bigger it is. But yeah, uh, having the small one and just being able to kind of bring it around the house is nice. Yeah, it's just, it's discreet. I, I was very tempted to get one yeah i think uh it it really strikes me as like the ultimate mobile note taking thing i am as a reviewer i'm always taking notes on the go i'm driving this this volvo for a review for top gear and i'm always just like opening google keep on my phone and like you know having a voice note real quick when i notice something or like going back to my computer and i notice another thing i want to take a note on i open another app and i have notes all over the place mm -hmm. and it'd be nice to have just anytime i have a note i just grab the ipad mini pull out the pencil and write it down and that was very tempting to me, but I also want to use my iPad all the time for watching videos and media and doing other stuff. And the way I use my iPad Pro, I love 120 hertz. And this iPad mini is still 60 hertz. I've got the perfect solution for you. Okay. The S Pen on the Fold 3. The S Pen. It's got everything you're asking for. It's right there for you. It's got 120 no, hertz. No, it doesn't because it doesn't stick to the side of the fold. That's the one thing. Bro, like, just get the case. Ah, uh, I don't like case. I'm not a big <laughs> case person. I can put a skin on the iPad. Even if even if I do a folio on the front, just I feel to like, like you thought keep I was it. serious about this. No, I, I just want to confirm. I, I feel was like you're playing okay. a devil's advocate of okay. a real commenter who's okay. going to suggest okay. that. Um, no, I, I like the I'd idea. I'd rather have. IPad the iPad, mini. yeah, mm -hmm. and the Apple Pencil. Can I take this a step further? Go Do for it. it. 
pen and paper. Pen and paper. <laughs> Get out of here. Leave. Huh. Yeah. Uh, the thing about pen and paper is, uh, now I have no good argument against it. I was going to say it's wasteful, but, you know, charging electronics is not much better. I I don't know. I'm just, I'm super into the note-taking aesthetic of iPad mini. I think it's going to be good for students and a lot of people who take a lot this of This is a random question. Mm-hmm. When you have like Android Auto can and you've got Google Assistant on it, right? Mm-hmm. You can take note, like you can ask it to write a note down, right? Uh, I think there's probably a command I can do for that where I take a note in Google Keep. I mean, it's just regular Google Assistant. Like we were yeah. messing around with it on the road trip a bunch and just telling it to play music. It's great. It just like on the screen had a little button for Google yeah. Assistant and you could just ask it to do whatever. So yeah. I can only assume. Yeah. Yeah. No, but the my problem, which is an entirely me problem, is I have three different places that I take notes, which yeah. is on me. I have Apple Notes, I have Google Keep, and I have my Tasks app. Is there not something like like Evernote that can be on all of them and yeah and sync yeah I actually used to use Evernote okay. um and I've tried a couple other universal note taking solutions I don't know that's again it's a me problem they never really stick like okay. I like the idea of the Apple Pencil just swiping up from the corner and just taking true, an Apple true. Notes app and that's only going to work with Apple Notes but anyway that was a that was a fun redesign it's got a couple new colors also there's this new Apple color they keep calling Starlight. Mm-hmm. This is going to come up again in the future, but it's kind of like a faded gold. And they're, you know, it's kind of an interesting name. They don't really Some name things. Some are calling things. it pink, no? Uh, I don't think it's, no, they have a separate pink. There's a different pink. Okay. On the iPad mini, there is a purple. And on the iPhone, I think there is a pink. But this starlight. the same thing. Starlight? Yeah. I think starlight is somewhere in between silver and gold. It's like a faded gold even though we still have a silver. So I just wanted to shout out that new, like somewhat interesting color name, Starlight. So while, so while I go and um, look up all the different colors of the iPhones before our next segment, let's hop on a quick ad break and we'll be back with um, Apple Watch Series 7 and then obviously the new iPhones. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. Support for this show comes from NetSuite, and that's exactly what NetSuite provides, support. But what they really provide is support where you need it, because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. All right, welcome back. 
Let's talk about the last two things, the two probably biggest things to come out of the uh, the event that we're more expecting, which is the watch and the phones. That we were expecting? Yes. I would, huh. I okay. mean, we weren't expecting everything that happened with the watch, but we were expecting yeah. a new watch. Okay, yeah, we were expecting yeah. a new watch. I think I think this is these are the two biggest things that came out of the event. One, because it was what we weren't expecting, if you say expecting, because of all the leaks. Right. And then obviously there's a big feature in iPhone we'll get to later that I think was the biggest part of the entire event. Lots of things that didn't happen with the watch and the phone. Yes, exactly. That's a good theme. Yeah. Okay, so the watch, Apple Watch Series 7. So quick summary, better screen. Okay, that's it. Any thoughts? I think... <laughs> No, it's it is a twenty uh, percent bezel all the way around, mm-hmm. which makes the screen area bigger. It is the exact same shape, but now that the screen area is bigger, it gets even closer to that very edge where the body hits the glass. The glass is slightly more curved, right? I they I made it sound like it. I think that's why it feels like the smaller bezel too, almost like the the infinity edge on like yeah. Samsung phones is that little bit of curvature on the top glass yeah, they, part of it. They laminate the screen right up until the edge. Mm-hmm. So we'll see it. I want to see it in person because this is what I was talking about in the video, which is on my current Apple Watch shape, there is a solid amount of reflections all the way around the corners and the mm-hmm. top and the bottom. And this is going to be even more reflective. And this text on the screen is going to get even more into those well, reflections. Well, yeah, because if it's on the curved part on the side that's pulling the reflection all the time, now you're going to start losing yeah. information on the screen, right? Yeah. So we'll see. I might be wrong. Maybe it doesn't matter mm-hmm. at all. But that is the biggest di- uh, difference. There's also a set, a much brighter display, which is going to be cool to see, both indoors and outside. Yeah. We saw that uh, little uh, swipe-type keyboard yep. implication uh, application, which is pretty cool. But obviously, a lot more bigger buttons and bigger things happening on the bigger screen. It's the first dust-resistant Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. It's also still water-resistant. I think it's dust-resistant because now the speaker is a slot instead of a hole. Oh, I think really? it's it's like a couple small slots instead of okay. holes. And it is now going to charge 33% faster with a new USB-C charger in the box. Uh, underrated. I think that faster sure charging it, yeah. is really nice. I'm one of those f- weird freaks who wears the Apple Watch 24-7, including when I sleep. Mm-hmm. And so the couple of times during the week that I find to charge it are pretty crucial. When do you charge it? That Every time I shower, okay. which is like a solid like half hour of charging, which is usually pretty great. And when I wake up in the morning, it's my alarm and it wakes me up. I take it off when I wake up, put it on the charger while I get ready to do stuff. Why not in the car? Um, It's a short enough drive. I guess, yeah, it could be useful. Right? I don't that's have what, a, a That's when I found the it the best. I would... Uh, when I was using it for when we were doing all the concerts, I put it in the car. My commute's a bit longer, but like that was the one time where I never felt like it needed to track anything. Like, yeah, I mean, it's minuscule, but you're losing steps when you're doing it in the shower and getting ready in the morning. True. You know, True. David might sneak up on you when a competition, you'll just be wishing you had those shower steps. This is very fair. I think I might take that new USB C charger and put and it in the car. In the car, yeah. That might be the move. Um, Series 7 is going to start at $399. There's some new colors. I think you were liking that green. You and David like the green color, right? I like green anything. It's a nice little green color. I don't love the Apple Watch, but yeah, it looks okay. nice. It's I like think a, sometimes the Apple Watch looks really nice, and then I'm like, I don't feel like this looks like much of a watch <laughs> on my wrist. And well, there's a whole watch conversation to be had for sure, we've but had it. Yeah. there are some new colors, and uh, I think I ultimately usually go with a neutral color watch, and then like if I want to spice up the bands That's at certain the thing times. about it. I'll do that. They'll all look great, but the problem is is then you worry about it not matching with something you're wearing that day, so neutral yeah. just always is the best option. Exactly. I'm um, sure those are the most popular. So the thing with this is is like we didn't really read that much difference here. 
Would you recommend anybody upgrades from a Series 6 to no. a Series 7? No. No one, right? No. Uh, this is one of those small incremental year-over-year improvements that's nice to have, but doesn't constitute like someone like me or you yeah. or anyone with any like probably last three years Apple Watch yeah. needing to upgrade. If you're upgrading, this is nice that you get a couple of new features. If yeah. you don't need to upgrade, there's no point in doing this. Yeah, it's all about the bigger screen. They didn't mention the chip on stage at all. They didn't mention I it think having- I found on Reddit, it's literally the, it's not even like a different name. It is the exact same chip. I would believe that. Mm -hmm. Um, having a, a bigger, brighter screen is, of course, nice on any gadget anytime there's a refresh. Especially something that's in outside so often. Yeah. yeah. But aside from that, yeah, I, I think personally I would be very happy to stick with the Series 6. Um, the one other thing I think, oh, we we're trying to figure out, oh, yeah, well, we mentioned the charging. That was the other thing. So they're keeping around the Series 3 and the SE. Yeah. So Series 4, 5, 6, and uh, 4, 5, and 6. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are so similar that they might as well not exist. Yeah. So we've got we've got the SE, which is like the budget cheaper version, and then we've got the 3, which is the much less features and many less sensors, mm -hmm. even cheaper entry-level Apple Watch. It lives. It yeah. keeps living. And I think just kind of, unfortunately, the biggest news with Series 7 is just that it wasn't the redesign that everyone kind of... It was one of those things where it's leaks and it's renders and we all tell each other not to get excited by them. But this was one where it felt like a couple more leakers were all kind of on the same page and it just was not even close. If anything, it was supposed to be a boxier design, kind yeah. of like what iPad mini did. And it wound up actually becoming curvier with the glass. Okay. So in hindsight, now that we have the new design, mm -hmm. are you happy that it's not squared or did I you mean, want I'm it to be squared? About it. I think the renders looked cool, but either way, it's still not. All right, Adam. Style. We know that answer. <laughs> Adam, you saw the rumored squared off Apple Watch versus this new big screen curvy one we got. Do you like the actual one we got better or would you rather have had the square one? Um, I think I would rather have had the square one. If they were going to keep it this design, I feel like they should have added a functionality that differentiated yeah. it other yeah, than like a bigger screen. They didn't have much functionality to add i mean this we're going to talk about this with the iphone pretty shortly but it's a it's the same watch with a better screen are we just at a point where the apple watch is popular enough that you just can't skip a year on it it's popular enough that you can't skip like it, it's just like they're not going to ever just let it sit for two oh, years oh. and then do a, a bigger update yeah no they're it's, they're going to make a new one every, every year. single year okay. yeah and i'm sure there's little things like the faster charging like that's kind of nice there's little things that they can probably adjust every year the technology gets better enough that they can probably add like a slightly bigger battery next year and honestly that's fine if they never change anything else about this watch but eventually other stuff's going to catch up right mm -hmm. eventually you got to make moves so maybe it's a redesign in the future someday but as of today um it's it's looking pretty similar it's to very the series similar, 6 yeah. yeah no problem there okay then the iPhones, iPhone 13, 13 mini, 13 Pro, and 13 Pro Max. Pretty solid lineup, um, very similar, again, yeah. to the 12, but I'm going to talk about some of the things that are more important. So A15 Bionic chip in all of these phones. It's got a 5-core GPU in the Pro phones, 4-core GPU in the smaller phones, or uh, the 13 and 13 mini, mm -hmm. and then everything else is the same with the specs, a new two high-performance cores and four high-efficiency cores in the CPU, and uh, it's still got ceramic shield, still got IP68 water resistance, still got the squared sides. It's got aluminum on the 13 and 13 mini, surgical grade stainless steel on the 13 Pro and 13 Pro Max. Perfect. What we did get changed is, first of all, 
The 64 gig model is finally retired and mm-hmm. it starts at 128 gigs of storage. That's something they could have done last year, but there we go. <laughs> yeah. They've finally done it. Um, the battery life is improved. It's one and a half to two and a half hours longer, depending on which model you get. I don't know exactly how that will translate to real world use because they keep saying like all day battery life. Yeah, it's all we day. need to retire that phrase. Well, it's, Apple's used it forever. And, and they, yeah, everyone uses it. It's not just Apple. Yeah, it doesn't all... really mean anything substantial nope. until we test the phone. But I like that they're quoting longer battery life and not shorter. And the Mini needed it for sure. The Mini needed it. And these phones are actually slightly thicker and slightly heavier to support an actually larger battery capacity. Okay. Not substantially larger, but it's it's not smaller. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. The screens are brighter, um, 1,000 to 1,200 nits of peak HDR brightness, 1,000 nits or 800 nits for regular use on the 13 and 13 mini. I like having brighter screens. Obviously, it's the same resolution. But what's more important about these screens is the Pro phones now have ProMotion. They now yeah. have a variable refresh rate up to 120 hertz. That's something they should have done a year ago. Yes. But it's here. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, uh, I'd say biggest announcement of the to me this is the biggest new feature it was the one we were the most excited about and it was funny because we talked about leaks before and 120 hertz is something that leakers have claimed is going to happen for a while now as far as i'm concerned and i didn't see much speculation of it this year yeah we there's been so many other phones to have 120 hertz for so long we just kind of forgot about it and stopped thinking they would do it Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, they, they finally done it. And it's interesting because these are now, these are OLED phones and OLED screens where the iPad Pro is still uh, LCD, still a backlit screen. So that'll be interesting to see if it looks even better than the iPad Pro. Um, but yeah, that'll be that'll be good to see. So this is this is where we're gonna find out how much of a difference 120 hertz really matters. Yeah. Because as much as I've said in the past, like guys, you gotta see 120 hertz in person. It looks so much better. I can't believe Apple's still selling a thousand dollar phone at 60 hertz and everyone always goes, well, nobody really cares and no one notices the difference to 120. This is where we're gonna find out. There's gonna be a 120 hertz iPhone in the store next to a 60 hertz iPhone. Will anybody see the difference? I'm still interested on if in that scenario, if someone would be on both of them and not see the difference, but choose to spend more money because of the difference. Right. Well, they see the difference That's, and then go, wow. So the more expensive one's $1,000 mm-hmm. and the 60 hertz one's $800. Do I want to make that jump? Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I uh, obviously would. <laughs> I think for the majority of people listening to this podcast right now, that's a jump they're willing to take. Mm-hmm. I personally would do it. Um, I recommend it. But I do still, I, I mean, one one person who says it all the time is uh, John Morrison, TLD Today, and I don't disagree with his opinion on any of it. I don't Which think the majority of iPhone users care about the 120 hertz. The, the majority outside of our bubble that we live in who mm-hmm. are going to a carrier service or just getting a new iPhone. But now, like you said, now that they're going to have it. Will that change? Will that change? Will they even really know what the difference is? Are just other phones going to feel slow and then they'll learn about what it is and it'll become more of a standard? Um, That's I kind think, of how I see it. Yeah, I, and I, I, so. I think one of the, my best litmus tests of like a new feature is if people in the real world like care or talk about it at all. And 
You're not going to see a lot of people talking about 120 hertz, but mm -hmm. I think when you see the new pro iPhones start to arrive in people's hands and people start to go, whoa, this feels way smoother. That's what they're, they're going to say. My phone feels so much faster than yeah, my last iPhone. Yeah, way faster, way smoother, way more responsive. And when all these apps are going to take advantage of it, there's going to be 120 hertz games and 120 hertz web browsing and just scrolling around and going through things. And Apple, of course, has talked a big game about how they've optimized every little animation in iOS because that's what they do. They've had this, to be fair, they've had the smoothest 60 hertz phones mm -hmm. out. I will give them that. And that that actually gives me more confidence that the difference to 120 will be that much more well taken advantage of. And they've done it on iPad also. So like this isn't yes. their first rodeo on a mobile exactly. device like this. So I think people are going to start to see the 120 hertz in person and go, whoa, that's a really big difference. Whereas if you just told people, hey, this phone has 120 hertz, do you want it? No one really knows what that means or cares. Yeah. And so I'm fully agreed with that. Like when you say regular people don't care about 120 hertz, I agree. It's because they don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so when you show it to them and they go, here's a new iPhone, it has it, and you show it to those people, I think that's where we're going to find out how many people really like it. I agree. I don't know if paying $200 extra for it is going to be the uh, initial jump into it for, again, the average the yeah. non-techie. Yeah, no I'd want to I mean. look at the numbers. I, I think if two people saw it in a carrier service and were playing with them, and that was the only difference they noticed, I don't think they'd be up for an extra 200 bucks. I think they'd mm. pick, pay $200 for a different color they wanted more before they would do it for a uh, mm. a smoother experience. I hate to agree, but I, I think that's probably true of a lot of people. It's really hard to think outside of our <laughs> mindset sometimes, but I, I would guess that that's probably... yeah. But I think a lot of people who are waiting for the iPhone to finally oh, get yeah. 120 hertz. They're amped It's right here, now. finally. Yeah. So like I said, $799 for the iPhone 13, $699 are actually, actually those are prices without carrier activation. So it's $699 or $729 for the okay. 13 mini and $799 or $829 for the 13. And then it's $1,000 or $1,029 for the 13 Pro and then... 1099 or 1129 for the 13 Pro Max. Also, yeah. there's a one terabyte version. There is. Just so you know, that's 1599. 1599, yeah, <laughs> for the all Pro Max only, right? Pro Max, uh, Pro and Pro Max. Pro and Pro Max. Okay, yeah, so the spicy. Pro, the one terabyte Pro Max is 1599. Yes, I think that's the most for the expensive. highest end. Yeah. Okay, so that's the same as a Fold 3, right? Pretty close. Fold yeah. 3 is about 171800. Oh, is it really? Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, we also skipped over like, I mean, design-wise, the only real design change we saw, which was in the regular models, the 13 and 13 mini, which is since there's only two cameras on the camera bump, rather than have them vertical, they're now diagonal. I think it looks nice. I don't necessarily think it looks better or worse than the vertical. I think um, it's a it's a functional change, too, because the sensors are so much bigger that yeah, that actually that makes space for them. Mm -hmm. And the primary sensor has now that larger sensor and that sensor shift stabilization. So remember the 13, the 12 Pro Max was the only one last year oh, that had yeah, yeah, yeah. that new big sensor and of how much sensor space shift. It has, right? A lot of space. They're bringing that to all of the primary sensors on all the phones now. Mm -hmm. so that's a big deal. So they, they did have to move it diagonally and it looks a little different and they probably thought that would be nice for the new phone to have a different look, but that is a much bigger, better sensor. Um, so they've moved that primary sensor, that bigger sensor to all of the, the entire lineup, mm -hmm. which is pretty sweet. And also there's now faster apertures across the range. I think it's F1.5 on the main aperture on the Pro. So now it's a bigger sensor and an F1.5 aperture, which is pretty sweet. Um, but all, all around wider apertures on the Pro than the regular. And we'll probably also keep an eye on how that does in low light. 
and mm -hmm. there's no like astro mode or anything crazy. It's just probably going to be incremental improvements and better processing and less noise and things like that. But we'll see how that goes too. But that's all just numbers. And of course, we'll see better quality. I was most interested in two of the features they announced, mm -hmm. and they're both video features. So after the break, let's talk about ProRes cinematic mode. We'll also talk about some of the stuff that didn't come to the iPhone. Yeah. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI power gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is gonna change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution, like you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome back. Let's talk about the two new video features on the yeah. iPhones this year. We, we saw the numbers, bigger sensors, all that's great. Even thicker camera bumps, they're thicker this year. It feels like when it did that side profile, it's like it has three separate bumps. It's, the bump to get to the bump, the bump for the outside of the lens, and then the bump for like the glass yeah. or something on it. It's a triple Mesa, it's a whole thing. <laughs> um, but the features we got were ProRes and cinematic mode. Yeah. Which should we do first? <laughs> cinematic mode's more fun. Okay. So cinematic mode, I, I've thought a lot about cinematic mode since it came out, uh -huh. and uh, I'm very curious about how this will land with regular people. It's in all of the phones, not just the pros, mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a new mode 
that will let you have a little bit more fine control over shooting video and specifically with focusing. Yeah. So I think Apple took a couple looks at, okay, we've got bigger sensors. There's gonna be more natural blur. And we're gonna have a lot of people shooting video with the iPhone as they usually do. Let's build into the stock camera app a little bit of a more uh, prosumer, I'm doing air quotes for yeah. audio listeners, a prosumer way of shooting video, specifically with like some focus racking and some AI intelligent focus racking mm -hmm. and some fake blur. We added some some adjustable blur. So it's it's literally like portrait mode for video, which yeah. is adjustable in post that you can switch between subjects while you're shooting. Yeah, since you said you've thought about this a lot, can I give you my initial impression okay. on it? And then you can tell me what you think sure. later. So when we first saw this, my very first thought was like, every time Apple does camera samples, they're like the most beautiful pictures and videos ever because they have like really intense rigging and they're yeah. in these like studio situations. And like, they're basically showing you examples that you will never, ever, yeah. ever as a consumer hit. Apex, yeah. yeah. So when they... They showed this, I was like, oh, focus racking. This is really cool. We're all kind of video nerds here, so we think that's really sweet. Mm -hmm. I don't think the video, sub, the way it showed it off in the examples was great. Felt very jumpy. Sometimes it looked like it was hunting, which is weird because it's not actually like yeah. racking a focus like normal. And just for some reason, it like just felt off from like we do focus racks all the time. It just didn't quite feel like it. Obviously, it's much different. This is on a phone yeah. where we're using cameras with I thought the same expensive thing. lenses. I yeah. thought the same thing. So... And then I thought, that's kind of what I thought, or I was just like, if Apple's not nailing this in their product demos, like this is, I think this is going to be worse. There's also a lot of haloing, which is something that their portrait mode doesn't do quite as bad anymore. Um, mm -hmm. But in video, obviously portrait yeah. mode video is new. So, you know, maybe I'm being too picky. This is for that kind of the average person. They'll probably think it's really fun. But then I immediately thought, I can't think of the average person that's going to be like super pumped about this. And now I'm back right. to like, I don't really get it. Okay, so the one thing that that I I thought a lot of the same stuff when I watched it, uh -huh. I was like, this is gonna be the greatest demo of all time. And then the first thing they showed, I was like, did that just hunt? Yeah. It was weird. But the one thing that I watched back and thought more regular people are gonna care about this than I think we think mm -hmm. is this is right next to all the other modes in the camera. Oh, like when you scroll through that? When you swipe through. Okay, like so studio there's, or whatever. There's photo mode, there is portrait mode, there is video mode and there's cinematic mode. And cinematic mode okay. right next to video is like the portrait mode for video. And I think a lot of people are just gonna flip it over to this like almost by default anyway, just to like, oh, this is the better video. Like obviously portrait mode looks better than a lot of photos. Let's just turn on cinematic mode and we're taking some mm -hmm. videos of our friends. And I think they're gonna see a lot of that like shallow depth of field and they're gonna crank up the bokeh all the way and it's gonna be this big fake blurry background. And they're gonna go, oh wow, the iPhone video looks crazy good with this cinematic mode. And I guarantee we see at least one random viral video of like fake blur from an iPhone, people going, look how much better the iPhone video is than everyone else, even though you've been able to do this on other phones for a while. Yeah. So that's one thing I saw. Wait, can I just interject right there? Is like, mm -hmm. you just made me think of an, another issue this could be doing to somebody is, if you think people are gonna go to cinematic as default, how many random videos are people gonna have where it's like, they're taking a, a video of their friend and someone walks by in the background and it, it, it hunts to focus that oh. and now they're, video they have is out of focus on the subject because they don't know how to use it correctly. Yeah. We'll have to see how it works, but yeah. I can yeah. see that happening now. I just think the the this is gonna be more geared toward the average person. Mm -hmm. And I think people who want to shoot like creators like us, if I was to shoot a video 
on the iPhone, I'm either going full auto or I'm using a third party app to get way more manual control. Yeah. And there's kind of no in between. Like you can you can exposure lock and I think you can can you focus lock with the current iPhone video app? I don't even think Not you can do that. Totally sure. So that's one of those things like when you look at people who shoot full on videos on their iPhones that they've been waiting for, this cinematic mode is still trying to use AI and like auto switch for you and add fake blur. Yeah. And this isn't really something that those creators are going to want to switch to. They're still gonna keep using the dozens of really good like third-party camera apps we've already seen for the yeah. iPhone, especially for video. So that's why I think this is a a normie app. <laughs> I agree. And those same people who are putting that much effort into it are probably going to see that focus, like the way it does it, the rack focus, and probably be like, I don't like that. They're yeah. going to be someone who's picky enough where they wouldn't enjoy that. Whereas, yeah, yeah normal there's, person. There's phones out there with manual focus sliders yeah where you can do manual focus mm -hmm. in i think lg brought that up like lg's done it yeah. sony's done it i think a motorola phone's already done it and i i literally you'll be able to like slide to manual focus with focus peaking in the in the stock camera yeah. app in like the pro mode which is nuts so that's not what apple's doing yet but i do see this like people swiping and going what is portrait mode oh, oh it's, it's a blur I totally agree yeah, this yeah. is the video portrait mode mm -hmm. so that's fine. I think we'll see a lot of people trying that. I also want to go over my quick segue yeah. <laughs> of uh, things that they didn't add to the iPhone because this is a notoriously minor update. I mm -hmm. think we're all on the same page. Like you have an iPhone yeah. 12, you don't need this. It's a small update with the screen with the slightly, we didn't even say that it's a slightly smaller notch, 20% smaller oh, notch. Was it actually, did we confirm that? It is a little okay. smaller. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they move the earpiece up to the top. It's all the same regular face ID array, but okay. that's what else is new with the screen and a little bit better cameras. It's a minor refresh yeah. with some new colors. I would say without 120 hertz and without the just like focus racking demo, there is almost like nothing to talk about. With yeah, this phone. yeah. That 120 hertz is kind of the only buying feature that I'm concerned yeah, about with this maybe phone. Maybe a terabyte, but yeah. Yeah. And so I want to go over just this quick list of things that we didn't see and how we feel about them not being added. Okay. So uh, they didn't get rid of the lightning port. It's still a lightning port at the bottom. I feel like I don't feel strongly about that yet. MagSafe is still the same. Charging speed is still the same. Everything is the same as it was last year, but there were some rumors of them maybe going full on MagSafe, no lightning port. We're just, and we're just totally past the rumor of ever doing USB-C, right? Yeah, no, no one believes that will ever happen. It's it just would be, lightning, MagSafe, two yeah. portless, okay. Yeah, yeah, it would be hilarious if they switched the iPhone to USB-C after the iPad mini. But it's so much faster than its predecessor. They, they should have that <laughs> team talk to the iPhone team. Yeah. Um, they didn't add Touch ID back under the screen mm -hmm. or any sort of like Touch ID anywhere, maybe on a button or anything like that. How do we feel about that? I hear a lot of people saying with masks and everything it would make the most sense. I, you know, like that theory makes perfect sense. I just don't know if like they're going to design a phone based on the pandemic going on now, which is pretty unknown. We've seen it get better. We've seen it get worse. So do, do you think, are you saying just adding it? Like, how do you feel about adding it just as not even thinking about the pandemic? Um, I think it would have been nice. Okay. Uh, I think it'd be nice whether it's like nice enough to sway some people. Yeah, we've totally seen, sure. so it's kind of like one of those features where a bunch of other manufacturers will try early versions of it. And then once it gets good enough, then Apple will hop on. Okay. And the, the real question is what is good enough? Like right now we have, you know, S21 and OnePlus 9 and all these phones that have the fingerprint reader under the screen on near the bottom. And it's like a little bigger than your thumb and mm -hmm. you just have to hit the middle. Is good enough like, the bottom half of the screen you touch yeah. anywhere is good enough like 
just like a little bigger than your thumb and just having it be 100% accuracy every time and it works with water on your finger, what is good enough? And I don't know that Apple's like considering adding face or touch ID back to the phone, but when you consider that you add the pandemic element and you add the mask yeah. element, then it's like, it would have been nice to it have touch been ID. It would have been nice for sure in that situation, yeah. Yeah, but we don't have that either. Um, no faster charging. That was a funny one because I think by the time this podcast goes live, we also have a video up on a phone that has 120 watt fast charging. Yeah. Which is like, <sighs> Apple's just not a big hardware bleeding edge type company where they 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 know what they do well mm -hmm. and massive batteries and 100 watt fast charging is not one of those things and it, it's confusing to me because faster charging seems like one of the things that probably isn't that hard to do everyone's doing it now it's well, i don't think it needs as much i mean and maybe this is the the neglect or the ignorance of me and and knowing about battery tech but it feels like one of the easier things to do. So it's one of the easier things to do, but in a certain, uh, in first of all, in bigger phones, even if you do have a big iPhone, the way Apple does their internals, like, yeah, you can do split batteries if you want, but then you remove even more capacity from Apple's already pretty small batteries. And it's a little bit of a battery health thing too. Long-term battery health has always been Apple's bias over battery, like, overall yeah um i think i have like a 95 percent battery health or something after a year on my iphone 12 they will go so far as to throttle down your cpu to continue to maintain your battery health rather than have your phone be faster true so uh yeah uh i think a company like that probably not going to do super fast charging anytime soon but they didn't do anything faster it's still i think 25 watt peak charging which is meh sorry right. feels like they could go a tad faster than yeah that, they could but... go a little faster i mean literally 120 watts out <laughs> yeah. there. Um, so they didn't do that. We did not get higher resolution cameras. And this is one thing that is, uh, it's again, it's it would seem really easy to do. You can just mm -hmm. add, a, you can just drop in a 50 megapixel sensor if you want to. You can just drop in a 108 megapixel sensor if you want to. Apple's done bigger sensors, but they have stuck with 12 megapixels. I don't know that I feel too strongly about this. I was looking forward to bigger physical sensors because that's a different look yeah. and that's different capability and more light gathering and all that. Mm -hmm. There are bigger pixel sizes now, but I don't know. Do you do you find yourself limited at all by a 12 megapixel camera? I mean, not on iPhone. It's just, they're so good. I mean, like we were just ripping on even video stuff before, different video things from Apple. And it's just like, mm. even while we, we don't think all of that's perfect, Apple still just clearly has the best video out of any smartphone out there. It's just like kind of not even close. And when it comes to video or just photos, they're still at the top. Yeah, they so said something, doing something right. They said something on stage that I that made me kind of wince. Like, is that true? They said I'm pretty sure they said verbatim they have the most detailed smartphone video. And immediately I was like, well, you don't do 8K video, so what do you mean? And to do 8K video, you need a 36 megapixel sensor or higher because mm -hmm. that's 36 megapixels per frame. But Apple still with a 12 megapixel sensor cranks out 4K video. And I think if you put it side by side, you would see more granular, small, fine detail. But if you just zoom out and watch the video side by side, the iPhone's video still typically at a high bit rate looks better. Yeah. Also, we didn't even mention ProRes, <laughs> but oh, yeah. with that high res, that impressive codec, ProRes is really, really good codec and 
it's 422 on the iPhone. You can shoot 4K 30 ProRes video straight from the iPhone. As long as it's not the 128 gig model. As long as it's not the base model, yeah. because that will only do 1080, I guess because maybe you'd fill up the storage too fast. Maybe they're That's using their cheaper storage yeah, and it know. wouldn't have written fast enough. I think it's probably a little bit of both. Um, but I think, yeah, at the end of the day, you put those videos side by side and you'd take the iPhone video over the jello 8K video from the Samsung. Yeah. So no faster, no high resolution cameras, but that is, uh, I don't think that's missed as much as it might be for some other stuff. Also, no high resolution displays. This is a smaller thing too. It's not like mm -hmm. we got a 2K display on the iPhone. It's still like roughly 1080, not a huge problem. And I put one more note down here. There's no astrophotography mode. We have like this incredible night sight mode on the Pixel and we have like night modes on all these phones now. And there's still night mode on, for the first time, all of the cameras on the iPhone okay. Pro, which is sweet, but it doesn't do like this, you know, amazing astro, like see the stars mode, which, uh, I mean, you can, they did show me some demos that did have like some faint stars. So maybe they would argue against that, but I still feel like night sight is like next level and yeah. they didn't do that. So those are some things that the iPhone didn't do. And as a result, minor update, not bad. Yeah, it's funny because all those would be pretty minor updates also, but just like but if you when put you those do minor all, updates, you want all of them to be together, so yeah. it feels like a major. Yeah. You if you'd stacked all those things, if you had this new iPhone update, smaller notch, high refresh rate screen, and Touch ID underneath the display, and the better cameras, and a bigger battery, and fast charging, mm -hmm. and high resolution cameras. You just took away their next five iPhone releases. Yeah, then, that's probably true. They're going to do year. like one per camera. But, but I agree. So like if right now, if you were to say, if someone had this similar question to the watch, if someone has an iPhone 12 right now mm -hmm. and they want to just upgrade to iPhone 13, mm -hmm. would you recommend it? 12 to 13? Yeah. No. Yeah. Only, I would. I mean, I would, if you're going like 12 to 12 Pro or 12 to 13 Pro, maybe. Like then if you maybe. want that jump. But then if you're maybe. just, yeah, same phone next generation it's not worth it yeah but now you add some of these maybe that would be worth yeah maybe maybe touch id is that much more convenient maybe mm -hmm. you want it to take much better photos um yeah we'll we'll wait to see we, when we get these these phones in hand we should have reviews of a lot of the stuff coming up pretty soon which is exciting we should have them in, in the studio asap by the time you see this um hopefully yeah and i guess we'll we'll get right to reviewing them because i want to see what that 120 hertz looks like i want to see what those new photos and videos look like and I want to see if that cinematic mode is as spicy as it uh, looks. Yeah, we need to do some fun cinematic mode tests. We'll be trying it out. So stay tuned for all that stuff on the channel. But in the meantime, that's been our Apple podcast. That's all we talked about today is, is yeah. Apple stuff. There's a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on this week. Either way, thanks for watching this episode. We'll catch you next week in the next one. Peace. Waveform is produced by Adam Molina. We are partnered with Vox Media. And our intro-outro music was created by Vane Sill. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.